0: I was sitting next to a woman and her business turns over 70 million a year. And I was like, fuck, I think I'm in the right room. The then Zenia would have shied away and been like, like, who am I? And I was giving her advice and I was confident to have those conversations because I've worked on myself and my own money mindset. Welcome to Swift Coaches Academy, a podcast dedicated to bringing health and wellness professionals the uncensored truth behind what it really takes to succeed in the health industry with me, your host, Zenia Wood. As an accredited exercise physiologist and business owner for almost a decade, I'm on a mission to transform the lives of ambitious health professionals like you who want more and are ready to take action to create incredible impact in your careers and unlock financial freedom in your business. So join me as I speak candidly with industry leaders about the struggles and successes from within the trenches through thought-provoking conversations. In today's episode, I'm going to take you inside one of our practical masterclasses. Now, this masterclass was called Master Your Money Mindset, and I ran this a couple of months ago, and I found there were so many aha moments for so many of our students inside our uh, 12-month Business Academy programs and i really wanted to share and showcase some of the incredible things that we're going through that they're learning and the shifts that are happening as a result of that. So this is going to be part 1 of a two part series speaking specifically to money mindset. Now the first part is going to be me talking about my challenges and my money mindset then then being, you know, back when i was a child and also, you know, back at uni and when i started business. And how my mindset has shifted to now and the things that I do differently now and the things that I've learned and how I've learned them. And it's also a really interesting insight into some of my personal life in terms of my upbringing, in terms of, you know, what life was like back then and what I thought of money then and how I have shifted those to think differently and in ways that benefit me and benefit the business and benefit our clients in terms of money mindset. So without further ado, here is part one of Master Your Money Mindset. This is not going to be showcasing you the whole masterclass, but you will get a really good snapshot of what is inside. And this part is all about my mindset then versus my mindset now hopefully this is going to give you guys a bit more understanding of my background and also might bring up some similar things for you or some different things for you. So back then, way back, primary school days, I would only, or our family would only buy buy blueberries when they were on sale. This is, this is, I, I had a, low, maybe mid as a stretch, socioeconomic family upbringing, split parents, mum on Centrelink her whole life, dad, very working class. And so, and my parents also had me very young. Mum was 16. And so I wasn't growing up in this family that was really established and had financial stability or security. And so this was a big thing for me. So only buying blueberries when they were on sale was something that I learned from a very early age, you check the price of things. Even if it's $4, you check the price of things. We would go to the grocery store and it's only when you like reflect on it now, right? Like I'm sure you've had all these things with your own upbringing sort of going back and being like, oh, why did we do that? That's a bit weird. Or like, that's probably not a great thing that happened. And for me, one of those things was out of necessity, looking at those things, yet money would be reserved for alcohol, and other things as well. So where we put the money. Saving 10K for a rainy day. Ever since I was 16, I had $10,000 in my bank account just for a rainy day. For no reason other than my, my parents would potentially ask me for money at times when they didn't have it. And then they would pay me back. And so money was something that was scarce when I was growing up. So I felt like, as a, to combat that, because my family weren't saving, I was doing it. Because I knew that we needed it. And if it wasn't coming from my parents, I, as an only child, needed to be the one to have that there. Who else has potentially, like, just rainy day fund? Yeah. That's just fucking sitting there wasting away. Inflation is much greater than the amount that, any sort of term deposit's going to give you. So next year, even though the dollars in the account's going to stay the same number if you don't spend anything, you can deduct a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand dollars, depending on how much you have in there. So it should actually start going backwards based on inflation. We all understand that. Chucking your money under a mattress is not the best idea. It... <laughs> all right. The other thing that I had was a consumer mindset. I would spend everything I earned. I would work the week and then I would literally go shopping every single Saturday and buy useless clo- clothes from Cotton on, and have a wardrobe filled of shit that I barely ever wore. Because my mindset was you make money to spend money and to spend money on things that aren't making me more money. I also watched the adults around me spend everything they earned. There was a lot of looking at... Um, I wouldn't say budgeting because there wasn't a budget. The budget was how much money do we have? That's the budget. Uh, And watching, well, if we have money, let's spend it. And not spending on things to invest, spending on things that either depreciate or aren't there later, like food or clothes that aren't quality or things like that. I also saw everyone around me always earned their money. And what I mean by this is that they worked for their money. If they didn't work, they didn't get money. They weren't affecting money. So what I mean by the difference between earning money and affecting money is if I make money when I'm physically one-on-one in front of my client, I'm earning my money. If I can sit in a room with 10 business owners and create an effect of the time and money that is spent and invested to help them make more money, I'm affecting money. Because you can also affect money by sitting in front of your staff and your team and giving them half an hour to allow them to step into themselves in personally, professionally, whatever, and then they go out and earn the money that you affected. That's another way that we can start affecting not earning money. I would also shy away from money conversations because I went to a public school because I didn't know anything about money because money wasn't something we spoke about at home because my parents didn't understand what investing was. My parents hadn't bought it all through my upbringing. No, neither of no one really close to me had owned a home. There was one. there's one person who now actually has gone back to being an employee in my entire extended family who's ever owned their own business. This is not shit where I just had, you know, all these connections and people where I just created um, opportunity out of those conversations growing up. I had to create this. I still came out of uni being like, oh, maybe one day I'll have my own business Didn't really understand the gravity of what that meant. Who else is sort of, felt like that or potentially shied away from money conversations in the past or potentially now same. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's just a little bit more. Hopefully you understand me a little bit more in terms of that stuff. And the reason I think it's important is because sometimes we can see people and we go, Oh yeah, but they got a leg up or they did this or they did that. And I think that in a roundabout way, even those of us who didn't have this financial literacy growing up have an advantage because we have the ability to create and grow and we see what we didn't have and so our limiting belief of running away from is that to help us go no I want to create something for myself I want financial literacy I want to be able to do these things and I think that that's a bit of a superpower coming from a scenario where you see and actually experience what it's, it's what isn't great about those things to be able to make that change. And also, if you have the financial backing and support and you've had incredible financial literacy and your parents are in business and have been for ages or they have these investment properties, whatever, then great. You have opportunities afforded to be able to make things of that too. I don't think either is right or wrong, better or worse. There just is. And we can use this in a way that helps support us and helps support the people around us. I want to talk about my money mindset now. So what's changed? Money mindset now. This is actually, I, I looked this up uh, this morning. This is the exact dress that I bought without checking the price tag. And I know you're probably thinking, it's probably like, it's not expensive. It's like, what, I, what? But every single thing that I would buy without fail, whether it's from JJ's or cotton on, I would almost check the price tag before I'd even figure out if I really wanted it. You can see clothes smiling. I feel like you you relate to this. Um, it's nothing and, like the price tag turning you off something. <laughs> yeah, but like, but this was an automatic thing. And I think this came from going grocery shopping and going, are the blueberries on sale? What's the price of a dress? And I, it, it came when I literally was like, I want this. I don't care how much it is by the way, this dress is like linen, it was $250. And I just went, I I literally didn't know the price until she said it before I put my card down. I was like, that's fine. And for me, that was a huge moment. And some of these moments that shift our money mindset don't have to be investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in a house. They can be shifts like this. And I want to empower you that It doesn't have to be this huge extravagant purchase or investment that can just shift something slightly for you that cascades the rest of what you do. Uh, Next thing I did was I educated myself on finances, investing in stocks, property and business and started taking bigger financial risks. I had no fucking clue where to get my information from. So it came from clients who owned businesses who took me under their wing. I started asking questions. I became the dumbest person in the room. I looked up podcasts on like what EFTs were and um, ETFs, sorry, exchange traded funds and stocks and what what, uh, mortgages actually mean and how you get a, like what LMI is in terms of property and all these different things because I knew that my financial literacy was holding me back. And so I decided to feel dumb. But get into the room and get into the conversation, start asking the questions. So I wouldn't always feel that way. I also now choose whatever I want on the menu, unless it's the $2,900 bottle of wine, which I do not think is an investment, even in my happiness. I think that's just ridiculous. Um, Outside of that, I choose what I want to eat. And for me, that's what financial freedom is. It's looking at the left side of the menu where the food options are not the right side of the menu where it says the price and being able to do things. Like I remember I had a, um, a client who opened a business and she bakes cakes and she was underselling herself and I love the idea of mates rates is full price plus 20% because you never want to see a friend go out of business. And I did that for her. I did that for my last internship because I would hear them saying these things themselves. And it's, you can be like, oh, you're worth more, you're worth more. But it's not until someone actually does that for you. And I'm sure when you've upped your prices, it's not until the first person actually pays you that money that you're like, oh, maybe I am actually. And so I want to create opportunities for others to help them believe in themselves that I absolutely fucking would pay more for this. And you are fucking under, undercharging yourself and not take advantage of the people that I say that I love the most in my life, who are my friends and family, but actually support them. That's what financial freedom means to me. It also means investing and not saving my money into diversified investments. We spoke before about the two properties and the idea behind that that I mentioned earlier is that the property that I live in that's my place of residence, I bought with the intention to make money off of. And I don't mean flip it and go and make money on the sale or make money on exit or wait until it appreciates. I mean, I actually have housemates in my house who live with me who pay my mortgage for me because for me, it's an investment and I want it to make me money not just when I decide to sell it, or if I decide to sell it, but I want to make money now. And so instead of going, oh yeah, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't live in a seven person share house. Sometimes we sacrifice things because the idea behind this is I actually, it doesn't faze me. I like being around people and it's actually beneficial for me to be making money in multiple areas outside of my primary business. Because these are businesses too. And even though on paper, it says primary place, of residence, whatever, it's an investment for me. So when I purchased my first house, it wasn't for me and this big emotional thing. It was how many bedrooms does it have? Are they big enough to house adults? Will adults like to live here? Is it a great environment? Is it close for me for my work? Will it make me money? Because yeah, when you're when you get to a stage in life where you're like, no, actually I want to do that. And it's totally fine. If you're like, no, I definitely want to, live just with me or me and my partner in my house. And also understand that sometimes we make sacrifices. There's times in our lives where we go, I can live in a seven person share house now because I don't fucking need to have my own bathroom, the luxury of my own bathroom when I can be making money, when I can get my first house deposit. Same thing with the investment profit. And then investing into stocks and other areas like businesses, not just mine but others as well the other thing is confidently and openly speaking about money and when i say this it's not just you know i think the important thing is to talk about everything when it comes to money but also talking about so this the story is that when i was in a room full of business owners i was sitting next to a woman and her business turns over 70 million a year and I was like fuck I think I'm in the right room because a lot of other people might you know and pre prior me the then Zenia would have shied away and been like oh for, I don't have like who am I to and I was giving her advice and I was talking to her about things that you know I had expertise on and I was confident to have those conversations because I've worked on myself and my own money mindset and because I don't think it's the clothes that you wear or Um, you know, how you present yourself that dictates those things. And the last one I also love, I'm still driving the car I got when I graduated uni in 2014. And the reason that I love this is because again, it comes back to the living in the seven person share house. For me, that's a liability. That's not an asset. It's not making me money. It's something that outwardly shows my fucking ego if I decide to buy a Ferrari it doesn't make me money. It's not, it's not helping me. And so I'm very proud of the fact that I will run this thing into the ground and I will spend a fuck ton of money on my team, a fuck ton of money in investing, investing literally a house deposit into business mentorship within less than a 12 month period, because I could have bought a car, but that's not going to make me as much as my investments in my business and in myself. I have a tiny favor to ask of you and that is to just hit that subscribe button if you have not done it yet. If you've made it this far, then I hope that this has been valuable for you and for us to get more incredible guests in front of your earlobes and faces if you're watching us on YouTube, then please do that now. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for me or something that was a golden nugget that really stood out to you in this episode, I would absolutely love if you flicked me a message over on Instagram at Zenia Wood Official. Until next episode, and in whatever you do, move swiftly.